Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. As the Nationals are struck away from franchise history and some World Series history. Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Swing and a miss! Oh, great crossover. Got him. (laughs) That's called getting put on skates. Down to two, down to one, and the Washington football team with the upset in Pittsburgh. Handing the Steelers their first loss of the season, coming back from 14-0 down. What a win. The show by the fans for the fans. Covering all four major sports in the District of Champions. It's the DC Crossover Podcast with your hosts, Mike Cerrone and Ben Simpson. Hello and welcome to episode 166.5, we'll call it, of the DC Crossover. I'm Ben Simpson. Unfortunately, not on today's episode is Mike Cerrone as he is under the weather. Rough day for Mike uh, today. He texted me, and and I'll let him tell the full story because it actually carried on from the night previously where he had a nice Uber Eats incident, if you will. Uh, But he also got a flat tire this morning. He's under the weather. Um, The guy is going through a lot. Oh, don't, don't laugh at that, Craig. Craig Melvin, always laughing at the wrong time. Um, but uh, the show will go on. Of course, you can follow it on Twitter at the DC Crossover and at Cerrone16 for Mike and on TikTok, DC Crossover Podcast, as well as YouTube. This one won't be on the YouTube because who needs just uh, an episode of my face? Nobody. Nobody needs that. Um, so we will just uh, put it up the podcast version today. Uh, a few things to get to on tonight's program. Uh, I wanted to spend some time going, uh, you know, going around the headlines here and uh, see where we'll end up. I mean, the the biggest news, of course, here locally is uh, tomorrow morning, supposedly, there is going to be an announcement that uh, the Wizards and the Caps are going to potentially be moving to a new location, Potomac Yard in Alexandria. The news comes a variety of places, but this one, uh, this particular store, oh, I'm not reading that. It says I need a a subscription for that. Uh, No, thank you. Let's go to WTOP instead. Basically, the uh, Virginia lawmakers met on Monday and they voted to approve a plan that could bring teams owned by Monumental Sports and Entertainment 
D.C. to a new complex in the state. And uh, this has been reported by multiple sources here. Approved by 12 state lawmakers. Um, and basically, the, the Wiz and the Caps would move from Capital One Arena to Potomac Yard. The proposed 8 million square foot campus would include a stadium with facilities for both teams, uh, a large underground parking lot, and a separate 3,000-seat concert venue. I did not even read that part previously. Um, and basically, the th- thinking is the announcement is going to come tomorrow morning. And, and as the article mentions, there's still some, some other steps to be taken. Um, they need approval from the state's General Assembly. Uh, Alexandria City Council needs to approve it. State lawmakers would need to vote. Um, where for where they would kind of uh, uh, play a role in, in building the arena and collecting the taxes and things like that. So this is something that w- we wouldn't really be seeing this occur per, for probably you know four or five years, I would guess. Uh, there's going to be some more approvals to happen and things like that. But uh, bottom line is this. This is humongous news because... Now we would get to the situation where if this does indeed happen, and it does look like it will, you now have like no teams left in the city. At this point, you would just have the Washington Nationals, who um, you know have been in their stadium for close to 20 years now. You got to think there has been some conversations regarding that as well, and the D.C. United, <laughs> who have a fancy new stadium that's not that not, not that old. So those would be the only teams left, and I think the biggest thing with this news would be the effect on the Gallery Place Chinatown area, an area that has already been in decline, especially post-pandemic uh, with uh, nobody going to work anymore in, in the buildings and things like that and uh, crime rates and, and all that uh, all that good stuff. And so uh, that that area is going to definitely be hurting if the plan goes through. But on the other side, if you look at the positive side, the fan base that tend to attend Wizards games, uh, the Northern Virginia area, obviously, uh, quite a f- quite a few folks from that area. You also get some fans from Maryland and and obviously DC proper. But um, you bring it on the other side of the river now. You put it in a, a, a thriving area, Potomac Yard, that is kind of a ritzy, uh, nice area of Alexandria. It's not even that far from the original site, really. I mean, it's a ten minute uh, uh, metro ride. But this is going to be big. I mean, this is the first professional team in Virginia in God knows how long. And it's just, while it sucks for the city, I think, um, you know, overall, this this could definitely obviously benefit the team, could benefit the Potomac Yard area. And there could be some interesting repercussions from this because now... Uh, with the discussions around possibly moving the commanders to D.C., does this free up some money for that if they don't have to help um, Ted Leonsis renovate Capital One Arena anymore? I have questions around what Capital One Arena becomes after this. Is it just going to be purely a concert venue now? Is that where they're going to generate their revenue? I, are they going to tear it down? I have no idea. But this is a story to watch.
and um, something to something to keep an eye on over the next few months, especially tomorrow with the announcements ceremony. I mean, there's there's like tents set up, and I think uh, Glenn Youngkin will be there, and so we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, let's move into the headlines. What do I want? I want. I want to hit. It's not really a rewind, I guess, but we'll play the music anyways. Uh, we'll start with Juan Soto, where, you know, this is this is definitely a, a topic to think about. I mean, I know baseball season's a while away, but uh, Juan Soto was asked at his introductory press conference that he had today about the extension side of things because um, he did not commit to signing a contract extension when the Yankees made this deal and it's something that you know Soto talked about throughout the press conference is just that hey I'm just here to play baseball if they if they're interested in extending me that's great uh, because again he does he is eligible for free agency after this season and you got to think there is going to be a big payday in his future and this is the risk you run if you're the Yankees is Yes, there's some tremendous um, upside of bringing in a Juan Soto to this lineup, and suddenly things become pretty interesting in the AL East. Well, they've been interesting, obviously, with the rise of the Orioles and things like that. But now the Yankees presumably will be contenders. And but but the trade-off is if you don't resign him and you don't make a World Series. Uh, what a waste! You know, you 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 made trades, you sent, um, you know, some pitchers, and your you know your beloved Higgy, uh, Higgy the catcher, over over to San Diego now. So, uh, but at the same time, you missed the playoffs last year. Yankees fans are used to this team being in the mix every year. And so, yeah, I, I think you you make that move. You obviously love that move, but it'll be uh, definitely a tough pill to swallow if he does indeed get uh, not resigned and uh, or extended and just uh, becomes another free agent and then gets signed by the Dodgers. Um, moving into the NFL side of things, this this big story, and of course, Mike and I haven't had a chance to talk about it on the program. Of course, was the Kansas City game the outburst by Patrick Mahomes regarding the offside call on Tony, which and you, you've seen this discourse on Twitter at this point is, I mean, the call was the right call and the defense of the right call just seems to tend, seems to be, uh, they don't call this or, you know, they, they shouldn't call this. And um, I'm in the camp of, uh, as annoying as refs can be, I just want the right call. Uh, I, I don't want to hear the, they only call this sometimes. I mean, you hear it a lot in the NBA. Guys are traveling every play. You hear it in the NFL. There's holding on every play. And look, I don't want the whistle blowing after every single play, if that is indeed the case. But uh, big call, big game, big moment. You, you got to call it, especially when you look at the replay and you see just how offsides he was and the question tends to be and and what people were definitely criticizing Mahomes for was after the game you saw him 
shake the hand of Josh Allen, and he was spending the whole time complaining. He was whining about the call. Uh, and he apologized today. You know, I'll give him that. But because, yeah, what he said, wildest effing call I've ever seen. Offensive offsides on that play, man. Effing terrible. <laughs> and he, it's, it's the, and also after the game, he was talking about, uh, man, this could, you know, you're talking about possibly ruining a big play that could have, could be huge for Kelsey's career and all this sort of stuff. And I, and I think it just, the official whining to me at this point has gotten out of control. Are officials bad? Yes. Are they always going to be bad? Yes. That's just going to be, that's just what's going to happen. Refs in all sports, they're going to miss calls. They're going to make bad calls. Those calls, while you end up, you know, even in big moments, end up not really being the reason why you lose a game. You can find 10 other moments in a football game or basketball game, whatever, that helped contribute to costing you the game. Are the calls in that moment tough to swallow? Absolutely. Do refs get calls wrong in big moments? Absolutely. But I, I, the, the, the discourse around the refs are worse than ever, um, you know, the refs are awful, this sort of thing, it's like, or, or, or the refs are cooking things for this team and not that team. It just gets so tired. And I, I'm guilty of this, too. I've complained about the officials plenty of times. But at a certain point, you got to just shut up. The refs are going to make bad calls. This was not an example of a bad call. This was an example of a correct call. And Mahomes even said on Monday, okay, I, 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 I saw it. Tony didn't check. Um, it's a foul. And he said, it's something you rarely see called in the NFL, but it's a foul. This is uh, another point of contention with this is the refs are not calling this. Uh, it's been pointed out by numerous people that this is a point of emphasis this year that's been called 11 times this year. We saw it, of course, um, <laughs> kind of screw the commanders last season. But this is offsides. You, you can't line up offsides. That's just, that's just how. I mean, it's simple. That's the game of football. Uh, whether or not they should call it or et cetera, it doesn't matter. Just line up correctly, and this would not be a problem. So that's the Mahomes side of things. Uh, I'll save the Otani stuff for when Mike gets back because I do want to hear his thoughts. Um, what I don't want to hear people say, and what I hope Mike doesn't say, I don't want to hear people say this whole idea is, is, is he worth this amount of money? Because, one, I'll tell you why this is stupid. One, we can't see the future, obviously. We, we don't know if he's going to be worth the money. Like, you take a guy like Steven Strasburg here locally where, obviously, he helped to win a World Series. Big part of that run. It, was he worth the money you paid him after that? Probably not. But with and, and, and so with Otani, because we have that history that we can look back on and say, yeah, the injuries, the barely playing at that point, it's like, man, he basically got a paycheck that large because of the World Series, and that's it. And with a guy like Otani, it's going to take time. We're going to have to see how this plays out. He's going to bring in a ton of money for the organization. 
he set this up, and this was his idea to set up the contract in a way that gives the the team a lot of financial flexibility um, for signing other players and creating a contender. Uh, L.A. I mean, the Angels they sh they they, they could have done this. I mean, a lot of teams they could have done this. Uh, the this the, the whining by some fans of certain uh, fan bases it's getting upset. This it's not like this was a, a secret uh, a, a, a Jedi mind trick here by uh, Otani. He set this con. You gotta you gotta understand if 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 this contract is set up this way, other people have had conversations about this being a possibility. There's no way that he invented this. I mean, obviously, we've been hearing about deferred payments with the Washington Nationals. That's the, the Mark Lerner special. So other teams could have possibly done this. And they didn't. And the Dodgers did. And they will, you know, will they win a World Series with him? I don't know. Baseball's weird. You could have an amazing squad on the field and lose in the first round. It, it, it just happens. <clears throat> so... Is it is it is he worth it? I don't know yet. Probably because when you look at the way the financials for the game are heading and the size of these contracts, it's only going to go up. So what you're getting upset about and and what he's getting paid five years from now might end up looking kind of silly. Might even look like a discount at some point if he plays at the level that we all think he's going to. So. Stop say, saying it's not going to be worth it because you sound like a, an idiot when you say that because we don't know yet. Let's just let it play out. Uh, any other interesting headlines today before I move into some other topics here? Uh, this is this is stupid. Um, the Florida Attorney General, Ashley Moody, is launching an investigation into the college football playoff selection committee over the decision to leave Florida State out of the top four. This is idiotic, to say the least. Even for Florida. Moody said the state's antitrust division is sending a civil investigative demand to the committee for more information about the nature of possible contracts, conspiracies in restraint of trade or monopolization of trade and commerce relating to anti-competitive effects of the college football play. This is, this is stupid. This is grandstanding. This is, I want to get my name in the headlines. This is it. Because if you are a college football fan or know anything about this season, you can feel bad for Florida State. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, the four that we have are going to give you the best games. That's just bottom line. It's it's going to be the best games. Michigan, Washington, Texas, Bama. It's going to be the best. Even Ron DeSantis got in and said he's requesting a million dollars to set aside for Florida State to sue the committee. This, this is dumb. You people are dumb. Um, that's it for the headlines. I I, I, I can't I can't read any more of that. Um, I wanted to on on the program because we're gonna we're gonna do things a little differently today with Mike being out and uh, still wanting to give you some content 
So I found a list here. 18 movies that became way bigger because of TV reruns. So it's movies that became bigger because of television, basically. Uh, because of being aired a lot on TV, and they were able to uh, rise uh, rise up the ranks here. So we'll see. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, we'll see which ones. I mean, there's probably some here that I have not seen. Uh, we will start with number 18, UHF. No idea. I think this is a weird Al Yankovic movie. No clue. Going to skip that. Uh, number 17, Wet Hot American Summer. So apparently the uh, film itself played in fewer than 15 theaters uh, where it only grossed $295,000. There's barely any promotion. But after it hit cable... Um, I mean, it blew up. I mean, think think about it. if you haven't seen the movie, it's great. Uh, here's some of the cast of this movie. If, if you haven't seen, it. I mean, we're talking Paul Rudd, Elizabeth Banks, Amy Poehler, Bradley Cooper. I mean, this is a a star. Uh, Janine Garofalo's in it. I mean, this is a star-studded comedic cast, and uh, it's a great one. If you, if you have not seen it, check it out. Um, but yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, it's, it's number 17 on this list. We'll, we'll see what's above it. Number 16, Flash Gordon. Unfortunately, I've not seen that. So I, I, I can't really speak on that. Um, number 15, PCU. Ah, I've never seen that either. Jeremy Piven, David Spade, 1994. Okay. Let's get to some movies I've, I've seen. Number 14, Idiocracy. Uh, so this is a situation where 20th Century Fox, um, did this one. This is the Mike Judge c- comedy. The The studio put the movie in just 130 theaters in seven markets. There was no trailer. There were no press screenings. There was no advertising. They didn't even put the movie on their website. And um, the the movie did ter- terrible. I mean, 444000 dollars uh domestically which it, if 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 you don't know much about movies i mean you even you can figure that out like that's nothing under half a million dollars i mean these movies even a bad movie a, a movie making like five million dollars sometimes is is bad uh and this is a a movie that had you know pretty big cast i mean luke wilson terry cruz maya rudolph um and the cable channels are what yeah really helped kind of uh, make it rise. I mean, people have talked about this movie more and more, especially post-2016 uh, election and, and just in general, the the trend of our society just kind of turning into idiots. Uh, not even a political thing, just like all of us are just morons and, and glued to our devices and all that sort of stuff. Um, Dax Shepard is, is in the movie as well for those fans of him and his podcast and all that sort of stuff. So this is this is a good movie. Uh, definitely like to see it there. Three Amigos, absolute classic. This was another one where it just didn't do well. It didn't get good reviews. and But it, now it's kind of a, I'd say, a cult classic, if you will. Um, Chevy Chase, Steve Martin, Martin Short, great one there. Number 12, Hocus Pocus. It came out in July... 
which is uh, a wild choice for a Halloween movie, then no wonder it did not uh, do well. It got some bad reviews. It pulled in $44 million, um, which is obviously sounds like a lot of money, but compared to some of these other Disney movies, that's pretty low. The uh, ABC Family, uh, I guess it was free Freeform, um, started airing, uh, airing it around Halloween. And this is one of those things. I mean, you have it with Christmas obviously coming up. There are certain movies that are just kind of synonymous with these holiday seasons where... It's 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 kind of a, a comfort thing of having uh, this sort of you know this this sort of situation where you during when the season comes up you're used to watching these movies and, and it just makes you kind of uh, and especially if you do it every year it becomes that tradition. Hocus Pocus would be definitely one in the Halloween realm that you hear people. Uh, watch besides like scary movies and things like that uh, you've got in the Christmas season I mean a lot of people watch all for um, you know uh, God I, why can't I uh, white Christmas or um, what's the one with the a Christmas story you know the, these these become synonymous with the holidays and they come part of it so that's what happened with Hocus Pocus there are 12 11 is Clue <sighs> unfortunately I've not seen the 1985 Clue Number 10, Overboard. This would be... This would be Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. Uh, oh man, I haven't seen that one either, unfortunately. Number 9, It's a Wonderful Life. Okay, well, that, that, this goes back to exactly what we talked about with holiday season. This is another one that people uh, lo- like a lot. The, the movie, apparently, since it was right after, you know, people were kind of coming out of World War II, and obviously a lot of It's a Wonderful Life is uh, kind of sad for a while, and then everything gets, gets good at the end. People didn't really go. Critics didn't really love it. And then TV stations started airing it for free, because It's a Wonderful Life fell into public domain because the pictures, uh, the, the, the studio, didn't renew the rights to it. So it became free, and so TV stations started airing it all over the place, especially around the holidays, and everyone kind of got the chance to watch it, and now it's a classic. So that's number nine on the list here. Number eight, Roadhouse. I mean, there you go. That's, that's another classic. Uh, Patrick Swayze there. Uh, May 1989. This with this one, it sounds like um, you know this. They they were trying to figure out the you know kind of the ratings and and um, you know this was this was uh, Patrick Swayze was coming off of Dirty Dancing, which is like a romance movie and uh, PG thirteen, and then this is rated R action. And so people that were going in expecting Patrick Swayze Dirty Dancing were getting Patrick Swayze Roadhouse, and it just didn't really click. Critics didn't like it. (coughs) Excuse me. Uh, $30 box office, basically. And now you get kind of the cable cable folks, where is it an amazing movie? No. Is it fun? Yeah. I, I think it's something that's easy. It's fun to watch. Definitely a lot to like there. Uh, Caddyshack, number seven. 
This is another one that's like it's a cult classic now. At the time, earned thirty nine million. It, the problem was it came out the same year that Airplane did. Airplane was obviously huge. Caddyshack was kind of like, eh, we don't really care about this movie. And this is another one where it's just reputation just continued rising, rising, and rising. It, it aired a ton on television, and it became a big classic there. Uh, number six, Office Space. This is another one where you're just like, man, how did this flop? Uh, Jennifer Aniston, who at the time, in 99, Friends was huge. Uh, Ron Livingston um, was not a super well-known name. Uh, you have Mike Judge, who was the director and the writer of the movie, who was coming on, working on Beavis and Butthead and things like that. So he didn't really have as much cachet in the in the sp- in the space. And this one only did ten million dollars at the box office. And then now, I mean, everybody knows this movie. Everybody knows some of the quotes, the red stapler, the um, so what is it exactly you do here? All of those uh, quotes and things like that became huge after. This is another one where, how can you not enjoy Office Space? Number five, Wizard of Oz. I mean, that's a classic, 1939. I guess it just didn't do that well at the box office at the time. did about three mil. And uh, (laughs) the New Yorker dubbed it a stinkeroo. Uh, that's that's brutal for for 1939. The and and then the uh, when TV this the the big one with this one is my understanding is uh, when color TV happened. This was one of those movies that uh, real especially since the movie itself transitions from black and white to color. This was something where the TVs were kind of new. And um, this movie was just kind of a really interesting thing, especially with the color side of things. And so that's it became a classic. Others in the top five here, number four, A Christmas Story. Mentioned it earlier. This was another one that just didn't do that great in the box office, 19 mil. And then the they sold the rights to Ted Turner, who decided to air it on TNT every Christmas. And now, uh, I believe it's like on a 24-hour loop around Christmas time on television. It's it's always going to be on, uh, which is a lot of fun there. Number three, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, that's another one where, yeah, I mean, just four million dollars in the box office just didn't uh, didn't do that well. And the, you know, this it it's. It just became, when it hit TV, um, people started to take notice and kind of um, finding little nuances, especially older audiences, like not just kids, but like adults were starting to find little jokes and subtle nods that made them uh, more and more in love with the film. And I think it is, in my opinion, when you watch it, like I feel like kids probably wouldn't love it that much, and, and I think adults love it a lot. So that's number three. Number two, The Princess Bride. Um, this did, uh, got some great reviews, but it didn't actually, it didn't really hit kind of the, the market in the way that they thought. So critics loved it a lot. Audience didn't, and it only made 30 million. And then, you know, uh, the, with all these, it goes to TV and 
anytime you've got these movies on television, especially, you know, in the 90s and things like that, a lot of the time uh, people, yeah, people just throw on these movies on TV or they'd uh, record it on VHS or, and this is another movie that's super quotable and that helps a lot as well. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's another big one there. And then number one on the list, The Shawshank Redemption. And I've heard this story before about how, yeah, it didn't do that great in the box office, $28 million. It uh, kind of confused people. People didn't understand the title. And this is another one that Ted Turner, TNT, just uh, starts airing it. And now it's thought of as, some people call it like the greatest movie of all time. It's, it's a lot of people. I mean, it's right up there for a lot of people with The Godfather, Goodfellas, Shawshank Redemption. I feel like it's the, the stereotypical guy movie in a way. I mean, obviously women can like it too, but I feel like guys throw the Shawshank in, in the top of their list a lot. And, it, and it's good. I, I mean, it's deservedly so, right? I mean, it's a, it's a fantastic movie. So um, totally get that. Um, I'm not going to do, I don't think I'm going to do Daily Dozen by myself. Or maybe I should. It won't be on the screen, so I'll read it out loud on the podcast here. All right, NFL question. Jim Schwartz was the head coach of this NFC team from 2009 to 2013, leading them to the playoffs since the first time for the first time since the 99th season in 2011. This, of course, would be my Detroit Lions. <laughs> so that's an easy one. Uh, this European big man was teammates with Magic Johnson during his last NBA Finals, got traded for Kobe Bryant, and helped the Kings make playoff runs in the 2000s. I believe this is Vladi. Vladi Divac. Divac, whatever. Okay, MLB. So that's correct. So two for two. After hitting 48 home runs with the Dodgers in 2004, Adrian Beltre signed a five-year $64 million with this American League team. I mean, I believe that's the Red Sox. No, it's not the Red Sox. Was it the, we'll come back. We'll double dip with that. Cause I feel like I can get that books. What British writer is known as the creator of the Sherlock Holmes character. That would be sir or, or it's like Conan Doyle, Arthur Conan Doyle. There you go. Celebrity mashup. You obviously can't see this. Um, oof, this is actually kind of tough. I believe this is Dustin Hoffman, and I'm just going to go ScarJo. Okay, that's wrong. Great. Uh, Pasquale the Pizza Chef is a character associated with what chain primarily known for family entertainment? That is Chuck E. Cheese. Correct. TV. Cal Penn and Olivia Wilde joined the cast of this Emmy-nominated Fox series during its fourth season in 2007. That would be the fantastic House which is uh, one of the best shows ever. It's one of my favorites. House MD, I guess, is the official title. So got that one correct. Movies. Jennifer Lawrence won the Oscar for Best Actress for her role in this 2012 romantic dramedy and Best Picture nominee starring alongside Bradley Cooper. Oh, my God. I know this. Uh, They're the Eagles fans. Um, Is it? Good Lord. What is the name of this? They're the Eagles fans. They both have the, uh, you know, like bipolar and and things like that, where they 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 have their kind of mental hurdles there. <sighs> Silver Linings Playbook, I believe that is. Okay, okay, there we go. Music, T 
T-Boz Watkins, Left Eye Lopes, and Rosanda Chili Thomas were the members of this female R&B group that had four number one hits during the 1990s. I unfortunately don't know this. Um, so I'm not even going to guess. Or maybe I'll just guess just so I can double dip the other one. I'm going to say salt and pepper, even though I don't think that's right. Um, all right, so double dip. Adrian Beltre. So I know he was on the Red Sox, but he also, and I know he played for the Dodgers. Where else did he play in the American League? So I don't think it was anybody in the AL Central. So we're talking either AL West or AL East. Wasn't the Blue Jays or the Yankees, and I guess it wasn't the Red Sox. Wasn't the Orioles. Wasn't the Rays. So maybe it's AL West. So we're talking Angels. Mariners. I don't think it was the Mariners. This is uh, the Rangers. Oh, maybe this is the Rangers. No, I'm an idiot. I'm wrong. Okay, it was the Mariners. Okay, so it was the Mariners. And it was Dustin Hoffman and Reese Witherspoon, and it was TLC. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm just an idiot. Obviously, T-Boz, Left Eye, Chili Thomas, TLC. Well, uh, this is what happens when Mike's not around. I just do terrible in that. So um, not, not really anything else to get into tonight. I just wanted to give you some, some content on this podcast. Uh, Monday evening, Monday, Tuesday, Tuesday evening, and we'll be back on Monday or Tuesday next week, and then I feel like after that we'll do our 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 Christmas our Festivus episode probably some point after Christmas. So we'll get into it after that. Besides that, everybody, let's let John Z take us out on this Tuesday. The Bears beat my Lions. That was rough. John Z was probably real happy that night. Good for him. John Z, take us out. We'll see you guys next time. This has been another episode of the DC Crossover. He'll be hurting stars. Yeah, he'll be hurting stars.